I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome back, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast uh, with me uh, returning uh, because it's, um, what is it? Three is a magic number because you were uh, just the two of us last last week. So um, welcome back, everyone. I'm back uh very ill at the moment i must admit but uh we'll get through this we'll get through this today uh today we've got steve d and steve w with me how are you guys doing uh how's your stocks doing because it's been absolutely crazy and i usually can guess where your stocks might be going but this week i've got no clue oh go on paul pick a direction for mine up or down i mean you got 50 50 chance right it's not flat well you're yours is closer to mine so i would be i would think you're up mm-hmm. And value is doing very well at the moment. You're correct. Um, oh, there you yep. go. Uh, I am mostly up. Um, I've been, yeah, in the quote-unquote value stocks for a little while now. Uh, and they've been naturally speaking to me in particular during that time when we were seeing the big run on growth things that I was finding hard to price and hard to see how they were going to get to their fundamentals or how their fundamentals were going to catch up to them, I guess. Um, I've recently shifted my focus a little bit. Some stuff's been coming down quite quickly. It's been catching my eye. But in general, my portfolio's up this week. It's not gone up in a straight line or anything like it. Um, but to be honest, that's also been... It's been a fair way from my mind. Obviously, it's been a fairly stressful week um, globally. Uh, I have quite a few friends that are affected by things that are going on around the world. And uh, thinking of them at the moment, to be honest, as much as anything. We'll come to that a bit later in the show. Um, I guess the other thing I'm thinking about this week is we're just getting towards the last couple of paydays before the end of the financial year, so the end of the ICE year, and I'm just working out my sort of strategy for probably just using the last bits of my ISA allowance before the end of um, end of March, start of April. Do you want to have a guess Great, at mine, sir. Paul, how, how mine's been doing? I want to say down, but again, I don't know. You want to say down? Not wishing, not wishing, but I'm, I'm, well, I hope I you're having what... a shite time. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he's actually short the Bark Innovation ETF. <laughs> um, no, of course I, I wish for about... you to... Yeah, I'm up about 10 or 12% off the lows uh, this week, so nice. I am having a marvellous time. So yeah, it's been a very good time for... Um, growth for for some reason or another i'm assuming it's got something to do with um the market thinking that the war in ukraine or the invasion of ukraine um is going to push back um rate hikes somehow i'm 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 not entirely sure whether you know that whether that means growth stocks are any more attractive to people i'm not quite sure i can connect that logic um But yeah, so and echoing really what Steve said, really, in, in that um, I've been glued to CNN of all of all places. Uh, I can't oh. stop watching it. I feel like a bit of a sadist, but uh, it has affected me in the same in the same sort of way that Steve's saying. Uh, I just hope it's over soon um, and and resolves in a, in a you know in a peaceful in a peaceful way. 
Okay, let's let go on then. Let's go straight on to Russia, and because we'll, we have to address it, um, I don't think we addressed it last week or the week before, but we do need to address it and uh, addressing it from. Let, let's address it from the world of stocks. Obviously, we think it's awful. I think all of uh, all three of us are, are are doing that. But where do you think this conflict is going to take our stocks and the stock market? What do you think about it? I think its impact in stocks is going to be, in most cases, so if you think of it at the level of markets overall, reasonably short term. So I was listening to a podcast at the weekend. It was the Baron Streetwise podcast. They were pointing out that historically, as long as these things don't immediately bring on recessions, which this one might, so there's a big caveat there, uh, but things that don't bring on recessions, and they mentioned things like 9-11, like the Boston Marathon bombing, like JFK assassination, and so on and so forth, Markets have always snapped back quite fast. We saw this actually in the uh, start of pandemic, right? Um, markets make their way back quite quickly uh, from drops like this, unless the economy goes into a recession. So I think in broad terms, and I'm not thinking of specific stocks or specific Russia-exposed uh, funds or anything like that, um, I would expect to see the impact being sort of reasonably temporary. And then we go back to kind of wondering about what the Fed's going to do next and how fast and how sharp and how so on and so forth yeah fair enough um the yeah so i really just want to point out i think that when we talk about russian stocks on this podcast or we talk about our market um benefits or losses from uh conflict we do well this is just from my point of view i don't know if you agree with it and you can distance yourself from it because it might not be very popular but i would like to approach the stock market from a very unemotional view and uh, a very pragmatic view so it my judgment isn't clouded as far as the personal finances go so whatever belief political belief that we may or may not have with the with the conflict i don't think personally reflects me in the stock market and i'm still going to do whatever i think is best um as far as personal finances go and part of that for me is that as far as a stock market uh, effect goes and it is only a stock market effect that it doesn't matter i personally think this is the same thing as usual i think uh this always sends the market into a bit of fear and then we recover from it um we have done for decades and i think we should always remember that to stay focused on what the ultimate goal is as far as the stock market and i also think uh investing morally is isn't isn't in my wheelhouse but i i suppose you guys might have a different view on that um but yeah just to be very clear on that is uh, i take a very pragmatic view to stock market investing and try to be as emotional as 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 possible um i don't know if you guys feel the same so i've battled with this a little bit because my senses should be uh my senses are very similar to when you know the world's banks caused the financial crisis um that my first instinct was to go and pick up some banks on the cheap and that was the feeling i got you know two to three days after after the 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 crisis happened uh the the invasion happened um was that i should maybe look and see what these russian stocks are doing and, and whether we can get an opportunity uh, of a lifetime here but my moral compass has has a has kicked in i'm afraid and 
uh, and I refuse to profit from the situation in the same way that I refuse to profit from people smoking and uh, and and things of that nature. And probably one of the reasons why I'll vehemently oppose buying Facebook, even though despite I could probably make up another reason. Um, yeah, my I don't I I would. I'm not against other people buying it. Like I've seen people in the Discord who have have gone out and they've they've bought something, and I'll, I'll never tell them that they're wrong. But my own moral compass in this situation has kicked in, and uh, I'm happy to talk about them. And I'm happy to say that some of these may end up being incredible opportunities for people if uh, if this writes itself quickly. Uh, if this is a long protracted thing, uh, some of these companies won't be here, so uh, there won't be much to discuss. Mm-hmm. Steve, anything to add? Maybe it's a feature of spending most of your day thinking about ethics and related topics. So I was teaching a load of stuff on utilitarianism earlier today. Um, I guess one of the things you find is that the more you know, the less becomes really obvious. Uh, Which isn't to say that I view anything as unobvious here politically. I don't. Um, In terms of where that plugs into my investing stuff, I'm not entirely sure... I can see that there might be kind of downside and upside to these sorts of things, but I don't feel confident weighing that possibility. Um, particularly, I was cycling home from work today and thought, could be looking at another bunch of luck in coffees here, if I'm honest with you. Um, mm. And that's my... I, I don't even get as far as the moral consideration, to be honest. I would get as far as thinking about it morally if I thought I saw an opportunity and then thought, do I want to do this? I'm not at the stage of seeing opportunities yet, to be honest. Um, I'm seeing them elsewhere, but not in the kind of beaten down Russian things. I find them too difficult to assess. Yeah, so said um, possible opportunities. Everest stock is down. uh, Let's just have a look on my chart. Everest stock is down 51%. Uh, Gazprom, which is the famous gas uh, company, down 65%. And that's down 65%. And no sanctions have been held against it yet. Uh, MMC Norilsk, uh, which is the palladium uh, and nickel company, down 40... No, that's not right, is it? That's on the day, for down 40%. <laughs> down um, on six months. That has rocketed down. Down 79%. That's one that I own. I don't know if uh, one of the Steves own that as well right now. And um, uh, Spurbank is down 66 percent so these are possible opportunities where the stock price has fallen significantly in comparison to their uh, levels of cash flow and levels of earnings but the market is obviously pricing in significant losses in earnings right now from these uh, russian companies uh, maybe overreacted a bit too much and maybe pulling out more uh, for moral reasons who knows um, even was it Roman Abramovich this uh, mm-hmm. today announced he was selling Chelsea, which was and yep. donating a lot of the proceeds to Ukrainian um, refugees, which was that's that's a uh, that's going to get political. That one is, but wow, that's amazing. That is well, political. Re- I'm interested in that one, Paul. I read that story too. The way I read it was uh, that Abramovich was donating his net profits to victims of the conflict in the Ukraine. And two things occur to me here. That's not quite the same thing as Ukrainian refugees. Um, it might be that what he has in mind is Ukrainian refugees, and I'm not saying it's not by any means. But there is another kind of category of victim that I'm seeing here because I have some friends who are 
Russian. Uh, their families, their parents are in Russia at the moment, which is getting whacked by sanctions. And of course, this is hurting people who don't associate with Putin, don't agree with Putin, didn't vote for Putin, don't like anything about um, Putin. But by living in Russia and being exposed to that economy, they are currently getting hammered by, I don't know when it becomes hyperinflation, um, but something approaching that. Uh, I'm not thinking they're necessarily the people Abramovich has in mind, particularly, but when you're mm. thinking your way through the victims of this, I guess, um, just based on the people that I know and I'm thinking of because they're close to me, I have those guys in mind as well. And yeah, also, I I, what, what I thought what you were going to say by thinking meta there was that uh, maybe it'll be the victims after the conflict and the invasion has completed. Then they can start investing in Ukraine uh, and Ukrainian assets, maybe, which would be a very interesting way of, of putting it as well. So, yeah, you might be right there. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, that was just reacting to some very early news that's happened today. One of the things I was thinking, and we're probably not qualified to talk about it as well, is that this all depends on how these sanctions bite. Um, there is two sides of the coin here that we're told um, Putin has a, a war chest to um, to sort of cover um, any eventualities here, and certain members of uh, Russian parliament seem confident that they are still intact. Um, but you speak to anybody who isn't in Russia, and they say, you know, they're fucked, and those assets are worth jack shit um so really it depends on how i think and again we're not qualified to talk about sanctions i don't think any of us fully understand uh what the hell's going on there and uh but i think for me if we're gonna cut exports from russia um i suppose gazprom doesn't have any sanctions but i would assume they are linked with the nord stream 2 which has been cancelled and gone bust and that's probably where that's gone and um, i know Sparebank. Uh, I think they're quite. They've they've already gone bust in their European offering, and um, right. they are having they're having issues in Russia because, um, from what I understand, the vast majority of Russian uh, civilians actually deposit in ruble and withdraw dollars and put them in a mattress, um, because the ruble has a tendency to fall against other currencies, um, mm. keeping something in the what is essentially the world's reserve currency. Uh, often fares better for them but there are no dollars left to give out so which is why you're getting this run on the bank um that should be controlled by the fact that now people aren't allowed to i think there's withdrawal limits have been placed on uh, a lot of russian civilians and you definitely can't take money out of the country um so yeah i guess it's just a case of hoping uh that this comes to a, a sort of peaceful resolution mm. and uh sort of an element of feeling sorry for um russian civilians as as much as uh it's difficult to to feel sorry for people like that but they, a lot of people are getting caught up in one madman's uh madman's war and uh it's uh I just, I just hope it gets all resolved really quickly. I think uh, I, I must admit, yeah. I, when I was thinking about markets and, and reporting back, I thought I had definitely been affected. I had it. Last yesterday, I had an impending sense of doom watching that uh, patrol, um, forty-mile patrol of Russian armored vehicles going towards Kiev, and I thought I've got to stop looking at this. And I wonder if, probably a callous comparison, if that's how people feel when they log into the markets on crash days and see the stocks are down 60% and all the bad news is flying around. I wonder if that's the sort of doom that people uh, the people get uh, that causes them to sell the shares. And I've always tried to take the you know the thousand mile view, but it's war and stocks is very different. 
But um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add on that other than I don't know if you guys have anything you want to chime in on. It is or... like that. I think if you're, uh, I guess, the market stuff makes me think of what it must be like being a Russian at the moment. Um, being a Ukrainian is an altogether different kind of horror to my mind. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, interesting um, news on it would be the uh, crypto uh, angle on on this at the moment. Um, obviously, Russia might be using crypto, but um, actually, some lad uh, messaged me on Instagram, Robert, uh, very helpful. Uh, he works in a coffee shop in Malta, and he said that uh, his Russian customers are now coming in paying with Binance cards. Uh, which is very, you know, this is anecdotal, obviously, so you can't take that as, as, um, as a fact. But obviously, it's um, an interesting angle on the on the whole crypto market. It might be why the crypto market has has uh, gone up a little bit in the past few days. Um, what do you think? You think uh, crypto's going to bounce back on this, or do you think uh, more of the same? My general thought is this is um, probably one of the pitfalls of having decentralized um, money is that it gives uh, a way to slide around sanctions that we've probably not thought of before. There is no way of stopping um, people spending this way. Um, mm. You know, decentralizing money has quite a lot of benefits in terms of safety and privacy, um, but we you extend that to uh, getting around sanctions and uh, being able to spend money where maybe governments don't necessarily want you to, or definitely Western governments. Uh, no, I don't think it is. I, I would disagree with you there because obviously we're thinking of sanctions right now as a complete blanket ban on transferring the money over into Russia. So from uh, the 50% that's held in the UK and uh, the US uh, transferring that back over to Russia, which is a big part of the sanctions that's going on at the moment. Uh, and then transferring that is very much similar. So you should be able to see, let's say Bitcoin, you know, just to pull one out of the air. Let's say if someone was trying to send money to a Russian oligarch via Bitcoin, you'd still be able to see their wallet transferring over to their wallet. So you could still have you could still ban or take legal action against the person sending the money, which is vastly, as far as I can tell, the same as uh, what's going on with the sanctions now. You, your com the companies are just banned from sending the money. It's not actually any physical thing at Visa going, okay, no, you can't send, except for obviously the banning of Swift, which is uh, quite a famous one which has gone on. Um, but I, I, I'd kind of disagree with you there, actually, that... Um, it's still traceable and legal action can still be taken. In fact, I think Biden mentioned it himself. He said if they do find evidence of cryptocurrencies being used to bolster the Ukraine invasion, they will take action. And I think they ha it is within their power to take action. Um, so, yeah, maybe. I, I personally think there could be a catalyst here uh, for a cryptocurrency, but that will all take a while to, to pan out a bit. I think it's still too much of a risk, but yeah, interesting perspective you've got there. That's um, Gen generally, I would say there's, uh, there's no KYC right. on a wallet. There's no KYC on a digital wallet. No. Um, so um, if somebody has managed to get something on there from cold storage onto a wallet, it's even it is very difficult to track um, yep. who it is. So there are yeah. definitely ways uh, know to get your away, customer. Get away from it. 
Know Your Customer is what Steve's talking about there. Is uh, It's a way for banks to track um, who is sending money in and out. And obviously, yeah, on Bitcoin wallets, it can be anonymous largely. Uh, all right, let's get on with... We've done a lot of uh, doom and gloom on Russia, so let's get on with the day. Uh, we have... What should we start with? Um, have we got an ad read today? We've got an ad read. Uh, so last week, Paul, you weren't here. I uh, I wrote last week's ad read in the form of a poem. Uh, and it was a sort of fairly... It was, a, it was a quite nice kind of uh, light, fluffy limerick thing. I thought this time I would write our ad read in the style of a Shakespearean soliloquy. Um, Whoa. Uh, and then I thought our listeners don't want Shakespearean soliloquies. So here comes another limerick instead. Um, this <laughs> one is called uh, The Ballad of Paul Briscoe. Because we missed you last okay. week. It <laughs> goes like this. There once was an investor called Paul whose portfolio was a little bit small. Wanting dividends and growth, he insisted on both, as he sat staring at his red wall. Paul just didn't know what to do. He was carefully thinking things through, but he still bought a cow, which sadly by now is probably somebody's beef stew. But then Paul got genuine impact, to help keep, to help keep his finances intact. He finds stocks to buy, and Steve D and I are accessories after the fact. He finds stocks to buy and to hold, and he doesn't buy silver or gold. With genuine impact in play, he's found a new way to invest for when he gets old. And nowadays Paul's a machine, and his investing life is quite serene. Genuine impact has made him much less afraid, and his portfolio's back in the green. So if you'd like to give it a go, there's a link that we've put down below. Try the app out for free, and you too can see what to buy. Now on with the show. That's <laughs> so good. Oh, how is he doing it? He's pulling it out every single week. How was he doing it? Oh, so good. So good. When, when, oh, when you, you go. mentioned Genuine impact Shakespeare, I thought, <laughs> I thought, oh, he's pitching this a bit high. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can't even say the word soliloquy. Um, yeah, genuine impact, everybody. I'd already um, forgotten what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, they've, been, they've been sponsoring the podcast uh, for the whole next year, so thank you so much to them. Um, yeah, okay, so this week we're going to play a game again. Um, we've got Steve W on the game. Yep, uh, so I, you can spot the theme of the week uh, for me. Um, following last week where uh, I was playing a one-player game that Steve had designed where I was trying to identify who had said various things, there was a moment in there where I thought, I know what we're going to do next week. Um, it's not quite more of the same, but it is on a similar theme. Uh, this week's game is a one-player game for Steve, actually. Paul, you can provide some colour on this, because I think it will be an area that you'll know some stuff about. Um, but to see whether he can beat my score, it's about who's said stuff, but this time it's more about what they're talking about. So I'll read Steve um, uh, a quote, and he's just got to tell me what stock they're about. You can have a multiple choice of three basically. Uh, the, the quotes are all ones that Steve will be very well familiar with because they're all lifted out of, uh, straight out of Paul's videos. Um, so welcome to the game that I'm calling Paul Briskquotes. Uh, right. I like it. Uh, yeah, I got a name for wow. my one. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, last week I scored four, by the way, on Steve's game. Uh, Paul played Steve's game uh, offline before we came on air. Uh, he scored five, so six to win, Steve. I think these are probably gettable, but let's see how we go. Um, here's the first okay. quote for you. Uh, it goes, That's the only problem with these old-ass businesses. They kind of stick to the same thing and just hope everything goes away. 
Um, what was Paul talking about when he was talk- said that? Was he talking about 3M? Was he talking about Intel? Or was he talking about Johnson & Johnson? Oh, God. What the hell? <laughs> See, in, uh, I've in watched my literally head, 10 thinking... Paul Briscoe videos this week. That takes your total wow. to 10. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So <laughs> this one I actually knew beforehand. I went back through the video that I knew it was from to go and find it. What's what was the middle wow, one, Steve? I... Uh, sorry. What was the middle option? Intel. Okay, so I'm going to discount Intel, mm-hmm. and I think it's between 3M and Johnson and Johnson. So now I've now by way of playing this game at this at this present moment is thinking, what videos would Steve have watched before watching these videos? And well, I'll give you a think... clue. It was mostly the ones that had names of stocks in them. <laughs> yeah, that... and that makes me lean towards 3M, which was quite an old poll uh, video. So I'm going to go oh, with 3M. Yeah. So you are in fact correct, Steve. Uh, hey. Paul's video on 3M was a really interesting one. He did a nice trend line analysis along that share price. It was currently off it at the time that he did it. And I think when future historians look back and write <laughs> the, uh, the biography of Paul, I think they will see that the point is the, that is the kind of point where he pivoted towards the fast graph style of analysis. You can see the kind of beginnings of that just starting to take shape. It wasn't a fast graph analysis per se, but you can see where this idea was just starting to creep into his consciousness. Um, exactly, he, by the way, where that previous poem and advert thing features uh, in future you can see historian discussions of Paul. Probably some ugly footnote somewhere. But uh, where, you are correct, where, Steve, for one out of one. Here comes the second one. Where, you ready? Where Paul uh, became uh, interested in the line mm. and its mysterious ways. Oh, the line and its mysterious. The line, uh, the line is surprisingly accurate at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Ready, Steve? Mm. Go on. What company was this? Uh, I don't understand it as well as I'd like to. I also don't get all the offshoot companies. I don't understand it fully, so I'm not balls deep in it. Uh, (laughs) Was he talking about uh, Alibaba? Uh, Was he talking about Alphabet? Or was he talking about Shell? (laughs) I think I know this one. So I don't think Shell has too many... Uh, too many offshoot companies, so I'm torn between Barber and and Alphabet. Um, <laughs> this is painful. <laughs> yeah, I think this is. I think this is tricky. I I don't think that's what Paul means. <laughs> I think I know this. No, no, that's not what I mean. No, but I think I know this one. I'm going to go with Barber. Okay, Paul, which one have you been sticking just a tip into? I think it's Barber, right? Uh, you are both wrong. Um, oh, wow. Well done, <laughs> I Paul. Don't feel that way. I don't feel that way about Google. Not anymore, anyway. That's because but... the answer isn't Google well, either. Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, oh. Paul, I, Paul I narrowed it down. I don't have a clue. <laughs> you said it. It's uh, one of your older videos on Shell. Um... Wow. Okay, yeah. how about this one from a more recent uh, edition of, of Paul Briscoe Invest? Uh, what is your channel called again? Um, I think it's just Paul Briscoe. Okay, just Paul Briscoe, sorry. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll move on to EBITDA growth. Yep, looking good. 12% year-on-year growth of EBITDA. 
looking pretty good to me. Was Paul talking about Activision Blizzard? Was he talking about AMD? Or was he talking about Medtronic? I don't know. But you pulling these out of context. I bet, I bet even in context, context they sound horrible, don't they? <laughs> so I thought this one was quite a tricky one, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, so I'm torn between... Uh, uh, well, to be fair, I'm thinking it's Medtronic. I'll go I for Medtronic. Medtronic. Interesting idea. Uh, Medtronic was the one I thought you might go for that isn't correct. Um, <clears throat> I think Paul's uh, yeah. interest in study in Medtronic predates his interest in study in EBITDA, uh, for what it's worth. Um, it was If you had a second guess, what would you have gone for there? Activision. Who's left? Uh, Activision, Medtronic. Blizzard, and AMD. Oh, I don't know if Paul would ever look at AMD. I don't think that's Paul's kind of stock, but I guess it's in there to throw me the curveball. Oh, I did do an AMD, AMD video actually. I now remember I did oh, an AD, um, AMD video. No, uh, it's Activision Blizzard. It was <laughs> his most recent um, attempt at kind of arbitraging it. I think he was talking about the. The risk it might not come off, and look, it's a decent company underneath it anyway, even if that doesn't go through. Right, got Still it. going well. Should we carry Still on? going well, that is. Yes. Okay. Um, have another Paul Brisk quote for a moment then, and I'll pretend like he hasn't run away in protest at the nature of my game. Um, try this one out. Worst case scenario. In this case, company is overvalued and you will lose 12% of capital appreciation, but the dividend will save you and give you a total ret annual return of 1.4%. So the possibility of losing money on this stock is pretty low. Was Paul talking about Geo Group? Was he talking about Tate and Lyle? Or was he talking about Unilever? Wow. <laughs> wow. So Unilever is a pretty overpriced business that would kind of... But the dividend yield isn't that high to save, yeah? Tate and Lyle. This, I think in my head, they've got a pretty big dividend, so um, that would be interesting. Who was the first one, Steve, again? Uh, the first one was Geo Group, prison former REIT. Yeah, well, I know he's definitely spoke about that one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I kind of want it to be Geo Group, because that has gone horrifically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for it. Uh, Paul's credibility remains intact somewhat, so that is not correct. Um, I don't know whether he said that about Geo Group or not, to be honest with you, uh, but you are right. That, I put that in because it would be spectacular if he'd said the possibility of losing money on Geo Group is pretty low. Uh, it's actually Tate and Lyle, um, which basically goes flat and you live off the dividend because yeah. the entire business just... I think in many ways it's run rightly. They don't see many opportunities to increase anything. Um, and what they do then is just fling out cash and run it as efficiently as they can. Yeah, it makes sense. I think they've divested some of their other businesses. Is it the sugar business that have divested I them? I did not know that. Um, yeah, I, th I think they're just doing sweeteners and other types of refined things. Okay. Uh, see how you go with this one. Um, okay. X company name is a pretty controversial stock, if I'm honest. All the millennial dividend investors, like me, love it. But it's not getting much love from the smart money. And it's kind of obvious why. Uh, so was Paul talking about um, 
Dividend Enthusiast favourite AT&T? Was he talking about Dividend Enthusiast favourite legal in general? Or was he talking about Dividend Enthusiast favourite realty income? <laughs> These quote uh, games are hard, aren't they? That's... They are, yeah. I feel like this is more revenge <laughs> than a game. Um... I'll go with AT&T. Paul talks about that an awful lot. Statistically, that's the right one to choose, isn't it? I think there's probably more AT&T videos of Paul's than pretty much any other stock out there. It's the stock that he probably knows the best, and there's nothing wrong with that. Something has to be. You'll be correct. I think it's hey. probably true of all three of those that the smart money isn't super interested in them. Uh, but yeah, um, mm. AT&T is the one. Okay, uh, see how you go with this one. If you came to me with a company and told me that it takes all of its earnings and directly distributes all of it back to its shareholders without spending anything on growth, I'd say, nah, not for me. But if you told me it also grows at an exponential rate as well, I'd be interested. Uh, I know this one. Oh. Was Paul talking about Alphabet? Was he talking about Microsoft? Or was he talking about Visa? Huh. It's the opening of the good, video, Paul. Good three choices. Hmm. Yeah, it's good three choices, but I know this one. Yeah, it could be any of them, really, couldn't it? Um, let's go with... Um, I don't know. So let's go with Alphabet. No. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Visa, then, because yeah. that is actually paying... Yeah, this back. one's Visa. Paul is correct. Yeah, Visa... <laughs> Visa spends oh. 50% of its uh, money on... Share buybacks, basically, and dividends, obviously. Yep. Which uh, um, is crazy. That was the opening to that video, I think. I went looking for a, a, a Visa quote, and it was just nicely in front of me when I opened it up. Uh, <laughs> okay, here's the one I thought was hard. See how you go with this then, Steve. Um, this is a company that's way over 20 years old and never been profitable till 2011. Is Paul talking about Regeneron Pharmaceuticals? Is he talking about service now? Or was he talking about Viva? I mean, Paul, <laughs> I don't think, would have talked about service now. So that's the one I'm going to discount. Mm -hmm. um, and that was in the Slootman days as well. So I I wouldn't have thought that would have been of interest to Paul. What was the uh, first Regeneron one's Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I'm going to go with Regeneron because that feels like it was a bit of a COVID hot mm. topic. Do you know, Paul? Paul, any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the only one I've actually done a video on. I think on. it's the only one that you've done three. a video on too. Yep, well done, Steve. <laughs> uh, I'll take good. It. So, yeah, I was looking for three there that, to be honest, I wouldn't be aware ordinarily that Paul has done uh, videos on any of them. I think it's just the one you've done on Regeneron, Paul. Yeah, I, yeah. Someone was asking because it, I think it's changed a lot recently. Mm -hmm. uh, the share price has has it gone down considerably? I'd be quite interesting to to know about because that was origin. I have a it's, feeling. Uh, it's a very interesting a, one. That one was for a period of time. Regeneron uh, had the only uh, COVID antibody cocktail, didn't it? And I wondered if perhaps mm. that was part of the hot topic of conversation at one point interesting yeah it's flat it's flat it's completely flat well let's think about some more things that trade flat then for a moment ready my third dividend yep. stock for 2021 and it's an absolute no-brainer for me is name of stock 
This company is due a massive, and I mean absolutely colossal, PE expansion right now. Was Paul talking about um, playing FTSE favourite, Bristol Myers Squibb? Uh, the answer, you hope it is, Geo Group, uh, or UK mining outfit Rio Tinto. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. Um... Oh, that's that's not nice. I, d I didn't realise I used such strong terminology there. That's not good. Not financial No, I advice. think that's fair. Um, I, I think everything you said in that was fair based <laughs> on the stock that I think this is. I mean, you can be right, you can be wrong. So, but... I... I mean, I want it to be Geo Group, Paul, just, just so I can giggle to myself. I think I may have already said that on a question where you disappeared and maybe have magically reappeared in the edit. Um, but I am going to go with Bristol Myers Squid. Uh, Paul, do you know which one it was? No, but I think I'm hoping it's Bristol Myers. You are correct, Paul. Yeah. And Steve. Um, so Geo Group was never going to be the right answer there. Uh, both <laughs> Bristol Myers Squibb and Rio Tinto were part of Paul's picks for the start of 2021 for dividend stocks. Uh, but yep, the third one, and you're looking at that PE expansion because if you look on fast graphs, which is useful for companies like Squibb, uh, that line just goes into the side of a great big earnings vertical wall, um, and it looks like it's going to catch up quite nicely there. I I think your analysis is pretty good for what it's worth. Let's try number nine. Yeah, number nine is probably my favourite quote uh, for what it's worth. So get ready. Oh, no. Its latest earnings report was pretty abysmal. Most important was that total revenue grew only 54%. 54! 54. 54% is very, very good. Do not get me wrong. It's absolutely excellent growth, and it shows that X is going to be an excellent business going forward. Uh, Steve, was Paul talking about Peloton? Was he talking about Teladoc? Or was he talking about Zoom video communications? Oof, don't know. Oof. I'm going to go with Zoom. I don't think... That was I in the context of a joke, right? I feel like that... Um, you, you said that very, like, with a flat tone, but uh, that was in the context of a joke, wasn't it? Might have been. Was if I'm not? honest, I stopped listening to the video after I got my quote. So uh, do by all means it, what, go back and watch Paul's video on this particular stock uh, and work out yeah, what well, he thinks of this. 54% thinking, is pretty good. Now I'm thinking it could be Peloton because <laughs> if it's meant, if Paul, Paul thinks that's Peloton, I can read his lips. So I'm going to make a no, change to Peloton. I, what do you think it was, Paul? I don't think it was Peloton. I don't. Um, oh. oh, now now I think it's Peloton. <laughs> well, something about this question makes people think it's not Peloton and think it is Peloton, apparently. Uh, people gravitate to the correct answer eventually. Uh, yeah, it was indeed Peloton. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think there's still hope for Peloton. I just think it was ludicrously priced. Uh, yeah. It's a decent-looking business, but a lousy-looking stock. Um, how about number 10? Um, do okay. I need this to win? Uh, good question. Um, <laughs> it depends who you're talking about. Uh, you need this to finish first overall. You're already ahead of me and you're level with Paul. That's and I don't have a tiebreaker after. because I wasn't expecting Paul to play this game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Number 10. I'm looking for companies that are growing their dividends at a considerable rate. X is a good example of this. It tends to grow its dividend at about 10% per year. Uh, was Paul talking about digital realty? Was he talking about Microsoft, or was he talking about realty income? This is a horrible question, because I think it's probably true of all three of these companies. Yeah. Which one was Paul talking about? Yeah. 
Well, I'm thinking oh. Microsoft might be more because it's dividend is quite Microsoft small. Microsoft is more. Yeah, Microsoft is more. Realty incomes is a is a bigger dividend, which makes me think but it's smaller. Ten percent is quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve, who was? I've already forgotten the first one. I'm terrible today. Uh, digital realty. Good chance. Yeah, that's yeah, quite really likely. good chance. I think that's, that's a two. Realty. That's a two percent dividend. I'm thinking Microsoft is smaller, so it should be bigger. Digital uh, realty incomes is bigger. So should be less. So I am going with digital realty. Paul has absolutely done you there um, by starting off by saying it's not Microsoft uh, and then pushing you towards digital realty. <laughs> Correct answer is Microsoft, uh, which means that you do not beat Paul <laughs> in this game. You are in fact now a draw, and I don't have a tiebreaker. <laughs> so that's okay because I have a sense that if Paul played that game, he would have done worse than me. I do so, not. Have I a think sense. so as well. I think Paul would have done. I think Paul would have won, but I also don't think he would have got all ten. No, I uh, no so... no chance. I genuinely thought that was digital realty. I really did. Um, Microsoft is like growing at thirty percent a year, isn't it? The, the the latest dividend I think was like stupidly high. That's why I thought it was. See if I can find the video I was looking at earlier. I'll have to go back through my searches. <laughs> throw up lots of other videos too. All right, what do you want to talk about next then? Because we really haven't got much of a, a, a an itinerary for de- for today, have we? So we were just going to sort of mention some stocks that we're looking at, weren't we? Yeah, we missed you oh, last well, week, Paul. Uh, that would have been our last one of the month. And usually on the last episode of the month, we like to have a session where we uh, we try and find stocks for Paul to add to his portfolio. Um, but alas, Paul came there none. Uh, so we had to postpone it for a week or so. But we got some this week. Ooh, this will be fun. Steve, you want to go first or shall I? Uh, well, you can go first on this one. But just before we start, Steve and I have revealed to each other... Um, what we are putting forward and it is oddly similar Hmm. Um, Mm. so at one point uh, at one point if we released the um the the text to each other you might have thought we were talking about the same company but uh off you go steve enjoy (laughs) yeah okay so i'll start off by doing part of steve's job for him because uh i think this is probably also true of his stock but Here's what I'm thinking, uh, investment-wise, right? You want to be exposed to some nice trends that are growing, uh, expanding markets, things that are going to take off, be part of the big trends over the next few years or so. Uh, And here's an industry, then, that's looking at about 8% growth year over year, just by itself, without worrying about the companies too much. Uh, It's a semiconductor industry. So uh, Internet of Things and automation and all this kind of stuff means we're going to need more chips. uh, Stuff's going to have chips in them. And this is going to be good for semiconductor stocks, I think. And semiconductor companies that are underneath those stocks. Uh, However, here's the kind of catch if you're me. Um, As I've said sort of repeatedly on this show, and as I've demonstrated without saying, chances of me picking a winner in a chip battle is pretty slim. I don't have the kind of technical knowledge to do this. Uh, I've tried looking at it via fundamentals and thinking, well, look, I'm priced for this one to lose. So maybe I'll pick this one. That's not really a great way of going about things. But this all gets very technical very fast if you're me. So I'd like exposure uh, to this semiconductor space, but I also don't think I know who's going to have the better tech, whether AMD is too far ahead or whether Intel's got the money to catch up or etc, etc, etc. You see my dilemma here, Paul. Anyway, um, so here's what I'm going to... I've got two options, basically. One is try and recommend you a semiconductor ETF, but that's pretty boring in a segment called Stocks for Paul. (laughs) 
Um, so I thought I'd try this instead. Uh, I'm looking at a company called Microchip Technologies. Um, and what they do is they make microcontrollers. They don't make interesting chips that go in your phone or in your computer or anything like that. They make boring chips that go in things like thermostats and soap dispensers and remote controls and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the more things we get smart and connected and have sensors attached to them and stuff, the more things they're going to get themselves put into. Uh, and I like this industry and I like this company. It's got some nice looking economics from what I can see of it. Economic feature number one. Uh, it's very hard to change supplier once you're in some products because then you have to redesign the entire damn product and that's quite expensive. And the chips you put in them are not super expensive. Uh, so business tends to be sticky uh, here. If you can supply the chips for your favourite hand soap dispenser, uh, chances are you're going to be supplying them for a very long time. Uh, nice business feature number two. You might have noticed that um, thermostat chips and so on are not super fancy. Uh, we're not particularly working on latest design cutting edge things for these because what would be the point of putting one of those um, in something that basically is an automatic garage door opening device. Uh, which means that we don't have massively high R&D costs in this kind, of, uh, this kind of company because, well, we've got chips, they'll do. It tends to be more about price uh, than about cutting edge tech. So... Good stuff so far. Uh, they've launched an earnings report recently. There's pretty strong demand. They've more or less sold everything that they can produce in 2022 and probably a bit more because they're all backed up for um, shortages and so on. Uh, they've launched a nice thing that I saw, which is a kind of earnings priority, uh, not earnings priority, delivery priority thing. They mentioned it in their earnings report. And they're basically saying, as a customer, you can get priority delivery on your chips because everyone wants these. As long as you make your contracts non-cancellable uh, in a certain way. So they're finding ways to kind of guarantee their revenue and avoid some of that cyclicality that we see with semiconductor stocks. Uh, we're recently hearing that semiconductors are not cyclical. I don't buy that for a minute. I think you can't take something that's cyclical and make it non-cyclical. But what you can do is try and smooth out the cycle a little bit. And I like this move on, from that kind of perspective. Uh, here's the bear case on it, or here's the big rub on it. Its financial strength is significantly worse than its peers. Um, at the moment, it's taking about 21% of its earnings and using it to pay off interest on its loans. That's not great. That's a number I would like to be lower. The average for this sector is 8. Uh, so 21 is not amazing. But in fairness to microchip technologies, this number is trending down. It's been coming down from uh, ridiculously high numbers. It was 77% a couple of years ago, which makes you wonder how it is they managed to do anything else. Uh, but they're paying less in interest. They had their credit rating upgraded, so I'm hoping they'll be able to roll some of their debt and refinance it. Uh, things appear to be moving in the right direction there. But there you go. That's my idea for a stock pick. A nice, basic, uncomplicated semiconductor thing. Hmm. Not like you to want a stock that's laden with debt. Um, well, I, I own Verizon. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't throw too much shade at debt-laden companies, particularly. No, it's um, Squibs. No, uh, Squib, uh, Squibs fairly debt-heavy yeah, too. Squibs pretty debt-heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it um, sounds interesting, doesn't it? It's another another string to the semiconductor bow, uh, which might have been overlooked. We've been trying to find some semiconductor stocks that maybe have been overlooked, haven't we? And we ooh, have. interesting that you might have found one. Hmm. What have you got, Steve? Well, I also might have found one. So, 
I have a stock that is in direct competition with microchip technologies, which is interesting because, as we say, we wrote these completely blind and we could have picked anything we wanted from anywhere. And we made no hints to each other what we were going to pick until we finished writing it and then went, oh, shit, maybe we should change these. (laughs) But I have a company called, and I won't tell you, actually, because I quite like to make a guess. (laughs) Um, So this company... so this company, so just to give you an overview, um, modern electric, uh, electronic components, they need precision timing. So from smartphones to data centers and even things like Steve mentioned, like thermostats, um, they need a, a specialist a specialist timing um, system. So timing, uh, until recently, was handled by the Quartz system, which is uh, something you've probably seen on, on watches and on... Um, and clocks and things like that. So I'll, I'll quickly tell you what quartz is because I think not a lot of people actually know what it is. Um, but it's um, basically it's an electronic oscillator. It's regulated by a quartz crystal to keep time. The crystal oscillator creates a signal with a very precise frequency, meaning that a quartz clock and the watch are like an order of magnitude uh, magnitude more accurate than um, something like a mechanical watch. If you've ever had something like that, you'll you'll know the days of having to wind your mechanical watch back on because it's lost minutes in the day. Um, so in an electronic device, we're actually pushing to move away from quartz technology and we're heading towards a, a silicon solution now instead. Uh, these are called MEMS chips and it stands for Microelectromechanical System. Uh, this is today's company's primary source of revenue. So these MEMS chips, uh, they range in size depending on, on the requirement, um, but they can be as small as a micrometer. That's uh, one thousandth of a millimeter. Um, if you're in the building trade, that is smaller than a cat's cocker. Um, so why <laughs> why are they better than quartz? Well, they're a drop-in ready-made replacement, so um, so that you don't have to make any changes to your system. Uh, they're programmable. Uh, they have multiple outputs. They're more resistant to shock. They're more resistant to temperature. They're more resistant to shake. And probably most importantly on technology is that they use about a third less energy. And they're available in about half the time in terms of lead time. Um, so the vast majority of what this company's MEMS chips are, they're not as uh, not as exciting. They're about one mil square. Uh, and this is actually smaller than the competition can reliably produce. And the moat, I guess, is that they can make hundreds of thousands of these MEMS chips on a single wafer. So that makes it cheaper. Um, an additional advantage is that they use different materials to their, compot- uh, to their competitors who use a CMOS chip, which is hard to get a hold of at the moment. Um, so these guys are actually fabulous, so they're actually designers, so there's no expensive machines to repair uh, or replace every cycle. Um, they have a market cap of $3.9 billion. They have a current PE of uh, um, last year's sales doubled to <laughs> doubled to 218.8 million. Um, four out of four heavy beats on EPS over quarterly expectations. Gross margins of about 70%. Net margins of 15%. So making, making bank. Uh, they've got 560 million of cash on the balance sheet and zero debt. Do you like it? Wow. I've, I mean, you've made a, an amazing case. Uh, 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 what's not to like there, I guess. Do you have any idea what it is, Paul? I don't have a clue. I really I don't. I don't blame you on this one. Uh, the Netflix one was kind of no. guessable. This one is. I would have been amazed. Yeah. I haven't got a clue. 
It's a company called Cytan. That's Cytan. No, Micron are about 100 billion. This is 3.9. By the way, the PE, which I, the PE, which I glossed over was 123. (laughs) Um, So this company is priced to win. Uh, The bear case would be that they actually think their TAM is only about 8 billion. And Steve and I have had conversation about uh, TAMs today. Uh, market cap of three point nine billion. If they were to do eight billion in revenue, their market cap would be significantly more than eight billion. But how likely that mm. is is up to you to decide. I think they're in a growing market, so I think naturally that TAM grows with, um, you know, with with the size of the market. I think the move to Internet of Things, data centers, more smartphones, blah blah blah. I think they're they're quite a, a logical um, sort of selection in that market. I think they're a pretty interesting company. I think they might be a little bit picks and shovely, um, providing they can keep a bo- ahead of ahead of the um, ahead of ahead of the competition like microchip. That mm. was kind of going to be so my that's... question about them, Steve. Actually, you said they can produce stuff, uh, however many times it was smaller than the competition can reliably produce. I wondered. One of the things I struggle with um, in thinking about chip companies is working out what that distance looks like <clears throat> in terms of times of closing it, basically, uh, and how quickly competition can get to that. Uh, maybe they can't. Uh, maybe it's nearly impossible. But that's the kind of thing that I'm not sure on. Any ideas on kind of how far of a lead that gives them? I, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think that's a very difficult question to answer for for an engineer, <laughs> philosophy teacher, <laughs> and Paul. <laughs> um, but that it's one of those companies. The, the thing that interests me the most is that absolutely nobody seems to be talking about them. You think with companies that are trading at a PE of 123 um, tend to have um, quite a News. lot of hype around them, but there doesn't seem to be any hype. So I would be interested, and I haven't checked out. Just how much of this is institutional buying, um, and mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, see how it sits. But yeah, sorry, I don't have the answer to that. If anybody does have the answer, it'd be very interesting. Just pop it in the comment section for us um, if you've heard of it and looked at it. Very good. Uh, can you say the name again? It's Sci Time, uh, S I Time, and the ticket is S I T M. Trades on the Nasdaq. Uh, that's it. So, Sci Time and Microchip t- Technology. I think we're going to leave it there. I think that's the end of the uh, this week's episode. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for uh, coming on and listening. And there's two stocks that you need to look into because the semiconductor industry is going nowhere. And uh, there might be some little hidden gems that these two guys have just... Uh, uh, found so yes. thank you very much guys he's definitely going nowhere buy this thing at a PE of 100 yeah. and something <laughs> yeah, buy this PE of 128 the industry's fucked <laughs> <laughs> alright guys thanks very much for listening and uh, leave us a 5 star review uh, if you want to and leave five us a like. comment in the comments below and, uh, and a like and subscribe and all that like sexy jazz